Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. I'm a child of God, amen? I've been set free, amen? Yes, God is so good this morning. When we sing that song and I think about I've been set free, I just think to myself, what what is that song saying to us? What have I been set free from? Been set free from comparison? I've been set free from guilt, from shame, from those lies that we hear constantly from the world, from those lies that tell you that you're not good enough, that you don't measure up, that they're doing something that you're not, that they have something that you don't. Those are the lies that we are constantly getting hit with. Those are the lies that are constantly being put on us. But our identity is not found in the world. Our identity is found from our maker. Our identity is found in God. Amen? This is good news this morning, y'all. This is good news. We're set free from those things. We're not shackled by comparison and guilt and shame. We're not shackled by the things that the world is telling us we should do. Because we have an instruction. We have a creator. We have an instructor. We have a teacher that's telling us what we should do. That's telling us how we should live our lives. He sets our expectations. He sets the expectation that we should have for our life. He gives us that instruction. Our God is so good. He puts it in his word in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, against spiritual forces in the heavens. We're not merely fighting a battle right here on earth in our own bodies. It is a spiritual battle that's being waged against us. We are being attacked. And Paul tells us to put on the armor of God. That's God's word. That's the truth that we get to live in. Amen. That's what protects us. That's what suits us up. So when we sing, I am chosen. We know what that means because God has already told us. He chose us before we were born. He chose us when he created us and stitched us together in our mother's womb. Amen. This is powerful this morning. So let's sing that again. expectations are good. His instructions are good. That's what we need to listen to this morning. That's what we need to take with us when we leave here. So let's close our eyes. Y'all just join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for not leaving us to find our own way. We thank you for not leaving us to our own devices to try to create our own purpose in life. We thank you for not leaving us to just pursue happiness and whatever that means, God. We thank you for giving us that instruction. We thank you for giving us the instructions for our lives through your word. I pray over every heart this morning, God, that that this message be your word meant for them. That the words that we're going to hear this morning transform our hearts that they transform how we live. 
They transform our relationships, God. We worship you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. Have any of y'all ever had that experience where you leave church and you go, man, it felt like Pastor Steve was talking right to me. Y'all ever had that before? That, that, that preacher wrote that message with my name on it. That's going to be this morning, and I'll prove it to you. Do we have any wives in the room? Raise your hand. Do we have any wives? Okay, do we have any husbands? Do we have any mothers? Do we have any fathers? Okay, anybody else didn't raise their hand? Do we have any sons or daughters? That's everybody, right? So this message, this message is for you. We're going to talk this morning about expectations, purpose, and priorities. When we think about our expectations, like I said in that song, I've been set free. But what are we set free from? We're set free from the expectations of the world. And where do those come from? In my experience, we, we get our expectations, we get that information from two sources. The first one is they. Anybody know they? They say? They say you should do this. They say you should do that. I've never met they, but I've heard about them all the time. Go on Google. Google will tell you exactly what they say you should do. Right? They say you should tip 20% after you get a haircut. They say you should tip, what is it? Is it 15 now for a restaurant after you eat? Man, they say you should spend two months of your income on an engagement ring. But they don't say you should pick up a part-time job afterwards so she ain't mad at you because you're broke, right? They say, they say, they say. <laughs> one, for the, one for the mothers in the room. They say that you should let your baby cry somewhere between 5 to 20 minutes when you put them down at night. We're talking newborns here. To help them cry it out when they're trying to go to bed. It's the cry it out theory. And when I found this one, I found five different amounts of time that they say you should do in one article. Now, some of y'all, including my mother, is looking at me like I'm a terrible person because they say you should never let your baby cry when you're putting them down to go to bed. You should rock that baby to sleep and lay it down, right? <laughs> She's not. <laughs> but they say, they say, today we find they on social media. We find they on the internet. That's, unfortunately, we all spend far too much time in that world. And whenever I'm there, I see a lot of things, and, and most things I just, I just scroll past. But this next slide I, I want us to look at this morning. They say, this really hit me. Because as I was scrolling through Facebook, and I came across this beam, and some of y'all might be familiar with it, and I know all of you are familiar with a version of it. This was shared by somebody that I actually knew. We all have those Facebook friends that, like, we've never met the person in, in, in real life before, but they're our friend on Facebook. This was somebody that I actually knew. And so I read this, and it just hit me a little bit different when I read it, knowing that it was coming from someone that I actually had a relationship with. 
We're going to read it together. It says, so you're telling me, so I might as well say, they say, they say I'm supposed to keep my child alive, educate and play with them, keep them off their tablet and TV, keep the house clean, keep my relationship alive, cook meals, keep track of the bills, have my own career and aspirations and goals, manifest my dream life, meditate, go out with my friends and keep my friendships alive because it's not all about being a mom. Be a size eight, walk 10,000 steps a day, work out five days a week, eat healthy, and do all that on four hours of sleep. Cool. Got it. I went in the comments section after I read this, and I saw so many people, other women primarily, that I knew that were saying, preach facts. Tell the truth, because they feel like this is an accurate representation of the expectations put on them, that they have some version of these kind of expectations for their self. After I laughed at it for a second, it actually hurt my heart. It actually made me a little bit sad because it got real, because I started thinking about the women in my life. I started thinking about my wife. I started thinking about my sister. I started thinking about the other women that I have relationships with on the praise team that I know personally, the ladies in my small group. And I started thinking, how do they get out of bed in the morning if that's what they think they're supposed to do? Because they said, that's insane. It's too much. It's not possible to do all those things, especially in four hours of sleep. Whenever I read it, I noticed it was impossible, and the second thing I noticed, it did not have one mention of God anywhere in that. It gave you everything from how to parent, how to be married, how to be a friend, what kind of job you should have, how to stay healthy, and not a word about God. So when, that, when I realized that, I just threw that away. I just threw that whole meme away. Because I know that if God's not in it, then it's a lie. It's not true. When we look at that, we see words in there, the worldly words, the words that we hear that are lies to us, manifest, meditate, dream life, aspirations, goals. These are self-centered words. These are words from the world. But how do you know what to aspire for if you're too busy meditating and manifesting to get on your knees and pray? How can you plan your dream life when you haven't consulted God on what his dream is for your life? You can't do it. God has to be in the center of, of everything that we're doing. God has to be in the center of our plan making. He has to be in the center of what our hopes and our dreams are. This is busy work. That list, walk 10,000 steps, five days a week, boom, 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 all that stuff, it's busy work. It's stuff to keep you busy. So eventually you'll become too busy for God. So eventually your calendar will fill up so much that you have realized you haven't prayed alone. You haven't prayed with your husband or wife. You haven't prayed with your kids. 
Well, we're too busy to sit down and have family dinner at night, so we can't actually have a prayer. We can't talk about what God is doing in our life. The calendar just doesn't, doesn't leave time. It's a device. All throughout history, any general will tell you divide and conquer is a really, really, really good strategy in war. This busy list, this busy work that's been assigned to us by the world is there to divide us from God. It's there to divide us from our husband and wife. It's there to divide us from our kids. It's there to divide us from our purpose in our life. Because if we're divided, we can be conquered. The other source of our expectation is God's word. Let's look together in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. Moses writes something that we're very familiar with. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Everybody's heard that. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. These commandments that Moses wrote shall be on our heart. But this last part, this last part is, is the best part. You shall teach them diligently. You shall teach these commandments diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God, through Moses, gave us the expectations of how we should live, gave us a definition of discipleship. We should teach the commandments diligently to our children. We should talk of them when we sit in our house, whether with our family or with our friends. And when we walk by the way, when we're going through our life, and before we go to bed and when we rise first thing in the morning, we should consult God about how we can love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. These are the expectations that we want to live up to, that we want to pursue, that we want to chase after. They're so important that, in fact, in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39, they asked him, Jesus was being questioned by some lawyers, Sadducees, Pharisees. They said, teacher, talking to Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that expectation that God gave to us through Moses was so spot on that when they asked Jesus, the Son of God, in human form, standing in front of a crowd, they said, God, what is the most important thing? Jesus, what is the most important thing we should do? He just quoted Deuteronomy. It's already written down. You already know. God already gave us the instruction. And being the radical that Jesus was of his time, he added, and you should love your neighbor as yourself for good measure. This commandment was so important. This idea was so important of discipleship, of loving your neighbor as yourself, of loving your God with everything that you do, which is teaching talking, telling people of what God, having your testimony ready. And I'm not talking about the testimony from when you were 12, from that one time that you had that God experience. I'm talking about what did God for, do for you last week? 
What did God do for you yesterday? What did he do for you last month? What has God gotten you through recently? What has he blessed you with? Those are all testimonies. Those are all testimonies. And we need to have those ready to disciple others. This idea was so important that Jesus, after being crucified in the tomb, rising from the grave, spending 40 more days after he had risen, he's getting ready to ascend to heaven. He's getting ready to leave the earth. And the last thing he says is the Great Commission, which is what? To go and make disciples of all the earth. To go and make disciples. Hearkening back to that definition in Deuteronomy. Hearkening back to that passage where he quoted Deuteronomy and Matthew. To go and make disciples. That's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, if he's getting ready to leave, he's done all this teaching. And he's got one more thing to say. I think about that all the time. I tell my kids I love them all the time. My daughter will tell me, yeah, I know, Dad. You tell me like a million times every day. But I tell her, I, I tell her, I say, why do, why do you think I tell you that? Because if something happened to me and I wasn't here, I want you to know 20 years from now that I love you. Because it's that important to me. Jesus already showed us that he loved us by what he did on the cross. So when he was getting ready to leave earth, the last thing he said was, don't forget, I love y'all. He already showed us that. He already gave his life for us. He said, don't forget, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples to all ends of the earth. Those are the expectations that we have in God's word for our lives. And so if we know the expectation, then we have to talk about purpose. And our purpose is to be a disciple maker. Jesus gave us the instruction. So now we see clearly what is our purpose. Well, I need to make disciples, but what does that look like for each one of us? What does that look like in our lives? Everybody knows Tommy, plays bass, plays bass with us on the worship team. Him and I don't talk on the phone as often as I'd like to, but when we do, it's never under about an hour, maybe an hour and a half most nights when we get to talking. And he shared with me a dream that he had. This was probably last month sometime. And he shared with me this dream. And, and Tommy, if you get him going and you get to talking to him, he's very descriptive and vivid. So this, this dream was not lacking in either department, but the short version of it is he dreamed that he had died and he, and he was entering heaven and he met God. And God said, so catch me up. Give me the highlights. What, what have you been up to? What'd you do with your life? What'd you do with the life that I gave you? And Tommy said, well, because you can't lie to God. He said, well, you made me a pretty awesome guitar player. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So I used that to make money, to meet girls, to party, to have a good time, to be entertaining to folks. And he realized when he was saying it, that's all I did? 
<laughs> that's what I did with what God gave me. That's, that's what I did. He said he felt like he couldn't even continue talking. Is that you this morning? Because when he told me that, I started questioning all, all of my choices. I started thinking, well, what am I going to say to God whenever I get there? If he asked me, what did you do with your life? Am I going to say I spent my life using the gifts and the talents and the time and the treasure that you gave me to pursue happiness here on earth? Am I going to spend my life chasing after the things that I desire? Am I going to spend my life chasing after things that make me feel good, that make me happy? Am I going to ultimately live out the purpose that God created me to fulfill? I think a lot of times in our lives, we get caught pursuing happiness. That's another lie we hear from, from the world. That's another lie that we hear all the time is, is if it feels good, if it feels good, do it. Just do what makes you happy. Live your truth. These are the kind of phrases that we're hit with. There's a truth. There's the truth. And if we spend our life pursuing happiness, doing whatever makes us feel good, then we absolutely will be led astray. It says it again in God's word in Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right to a man. Put that in the pursuit of happiness. There is a way that we think is the right way to pursue happiness for our life. But its end is the way to death, spiritual death, separation from God, that division, that divide and conquer again. I'm going to pursue happiness. I'm going to pursue worldly things. And I will guarantee to be divided and separated from God. That's spiritual death. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is of the world, is from the world. The cheering from the crowd after, after you play a great guitar solo or sing a beautiful high note. The admiration of others that tell you, oh my goodness, you're so good at this. Or, oh, you're so beautiful. If those are my pursuits, if that's where my eyes are focused, I'm going to be led astray. I'm going to chase the world and be led astray. What is it for you this morning? A new car? Is it a new gun that you're chasing? You're saving up for, you're diligently counting those pennies, just putting it in the, in the bank, waiting to buy the new gun, a new purse? Is it another activity for your kids to sign them up for? Is it just one more thing? And I know that if we do that, man, they're going to love it. Dance class is going to be great, and so is soccer. And who cares if it's four nights in a row? It's going to be awesome. They're going to love it. They're going to be so happy and be fulfilled. Is it another marriage? 
Is it just easier to think, man, if only I had a different husband, if only I had a different wife, then I'd be happy because they'd make me happy. What are you pursuing this morning? We spend so much time chasing happiness, but happiness is fleeting. Because as soon as you get the new car, all you're going to do is count down the couple of years until you've paid it down enough. And then the first thing that goes wrong, you're going to go, well, if I just had a new car, I'd be happy. But you just got a new car two Christmases ago. Well, if I just had that new fishing rod, I know I'd be happy. But you just got the new fishing rod, and now you're spending all your time at the lake instead of at home with your wife and your kids. Are you happier? Those things go away. As soon as you get it, you just focus on the next thing. It's a small win. It's a quick hit. It's just a shock to the system until it dies down, and then you start looking for the next thing. But if we pursue our purpose, if we pursue the purpose that God intends for us in our lives, our God is so good, get this, that he designed us in a way that if we pursue that purpose, we'll have joy. We'll have joy in our lives. And joy is a positive emotion and a positive feeling that you can have standing at a funeral. Joy is a positive feeling that you can have whenever something terrible is going on in your life. Because joy comes from God. Joy is that focus, knowing that I am never alone. That my God walks in front of me, beside me, and behind me. That I know I am not by myself. That's what joy is. Joy, yeah, you should clap for that. Amen. This is good news. I'm telling y'all. This is good news this morning. Joy is the thing that let a man write a song that we all know. It is well. It is well with my soul. Everybody know that one? after his wife and daughters just had a shipwreck and died. Then he sat down and wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul. It would almost make sense to write down a song that says, I'm angry at God after that event took place. Our earthly emotion, our own pursuit, our selfish feeling would be to be angry at God. But joy allows him to say, It Is Well With My Soul. That even if all things go wrong, God, I know you're still good and I'm still going to pursue you. I'm still going to worship you. That's having our priorities in line. So we've talked about the expectation given to us in God's word. We've talked about finding the purpose in our life. And now we're talking about our priorities. Placing God at the top of our priority list allows us to have that joy. Happiness is fleeting. Joy stays and purpose is never ending. The purpose in your life can change from season to season. That's why it's so good. That's why it's so important to find it. Right now, your purpose may be serving in the kitchen and grow. But in another season, two years from now, three years from now, your purpose in your life may look a little bit different. Maybe you're serving in the cafe out there instead of serving and grow on Wednesday evenings. Maybe the purpose of your life says that right now I'm just supposed to go to school and I'm supposed to pursue God. But in a year from now, God puts you in a place that he says, now you need to teach others. Maybe God's purpose for your life right now is to, is to hone your craft and to sing and to learn to play 
and to study up on how to be a worship leader because in two years, the purpose of your life isn't going to be to be a side singer on the, on the worship team, but it's going to be to plan a church and lead worship somewhere else. That purpose is never ending. It doesn't have to go away. It's just evolving constantly because God uses us continually in our life if we allow him, if we're in pursuit of him. That purpose can be made clear to us. I want us to look at Ephesians 2.10. Tells us that we were created with a purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to be who God created us to be. The title of this message is Pursuit of Happiness. If you truly are looking for the truth and what happiness and joy is, you'll find that by living in the purpose that God has for your life. God created every person in this room with a specific talent, ability, gifting. He created every person in this room with a bent in your heart. Pastor Steve says it beautifully all the time. He says, what breaks your heart? What is the thing that, are you standing at night in your kitchen wrapping presents for a kid that you've never met and you're crying because you realize how important God's love is to you and so you're showing that other child love through these gifts? You may never even meet the child. You may never even meet them. But we all do this. We, we, we give and we give. Why does that feel so good? Because it's God's purpose for us to disciple others, to love our neighbor as ourself. That's why those are such emotional moments. Because we're realizing that what Jesus told us before he ascended into heaven, when he said, go and make disciples of all the, all the earth, that making a disciple, part of that is loving others as ourself. If you live into the purpose for your life, you will ultimately be able to make disciples. You will love others. Be in pursuit of God. Be who he created you to be. Be a spreader of the gospel. Be a disciple maker. Be a servant leader just like Jesus was. Jesus, the son of God, came to earth and washed his disciples' feet. He didn't come to earth and say, worship me, I'm here. I've arrived. He took the lowliest position that a servant of a house would have, and he washed the feet of his disciples. If Jesus is the example that we should pursue and we should follow, then we need to be servants to others. We need to talk to others about God. We need to share his message. We need to serve others love others and we have to take his commandment seriously Jesus said in John 14 verse 6 he said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me.
You either believe that or you don't. And if you do, and we're all here because we do, then we have to take his instructions seriously. They can't just be words that we read. They can't just be songs that we sing. They have to be life transforming. They have to be heart transforming. They have to be words that when we read them and when we hear them, we leave this room and we go into our world and we make a dent. We don't have to change the world. You alone are not going to just change the entire world. But if you make a dent wherever you're sent, we can impact our communities. We can impact our families. And through that, the world can change. Through that, our society can change. So I just want to ask you, what is God competing with in your life? What is it that when you think about your daily life, your weekly routine, your monthly routine, what is it that God's competing with? Is it busyness? Are we just too busy to serve others? To serve at our church? To go get that cup of coffee with that person that God's been telling you, man, you need to talk to them. You need to reach out to them. You get that nudge and we ignore it. Are we too busy for that? Do you find yourself constantly saying, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Is God competing with social media in your life? I heard a sermon one time that the pastor talked about the soundtrack in your life, the music you listen to, the things you read, the media that you, that you take in. That sets the soundtrack for your life. So if all you do is watch the news on TV, for some reason, every scenario you find in your life is political. Imagine that. Or is God competing with comfort in your life? It's just easier if I do it this way. It's easier if I don't take on that one other thing. Well, it's uncomfortable to go talk to somebody about God. I don't even know if they're a Christian. I'll just be quiet. I'll just, I'll just stay here. I'll mind my own business. Every time that we say yes to one of those competing things, we're saying no to something else. If I say yes to staying at work late, I'm saying no to my wife and being home for dinner. If I say yes to my daughter playing on her travel soccer team, then am I saying no to being at church on Sunday morning? I just want us to think about what is God competing with in our lives? What is the thing that is trying to divide us from oneness with God? So as we leave this morning, I just want to ask you whenever you go home, I want you to make two lists. The first, I want you to make a priority list. 
And if, you, if, if you've got kids, this will be great to, to bring them in on it too. But I want you to, to sit down as a family, as husband and wife, or just as an individual. And I want you to make a priority list of what your priorities of your life, what you want them to be, what you think God wants them to be. And I'll give y'all the answer to number one. It's God. Right? God is number one. And I want you to make your priority list from there down. It could be three things. It could be five things. It doesn't have to be long. As long as God is number one on the list. And then I want you to get your phone out or your calendar or your planner if you still use those things. And I want you to look at your calendar. I want you to look at your schedule. How do you spend your time? I want you to look at, look at the, the taxi schedule that you have written out for all, all the moms with young kids that are driving them everywhere. And I want you to make a list of how your time is spent. And then I want you to compare those two. Is your time spent list in line with your priority list of your life? Is where you're spending your time, talent, and treasure where you think, according to God's priority for your life, wants you to be spending those things? And nobody's going to be checking this. This isn't a test or a quiz. But after you make those two lists, I want you to spend time with God praying about them. And I don't mean a, a moment after. I mean days. Spend the next two days, three days, just with God while you're in your car, while you're having your morning coffee. Spend time with God asking him to show you how to align your priority list and your time spent list. Let's pursue God in this next season. As a church, let's pursue God together. sing the song I'll stand I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned when your hands are up it's a it's an act of surrender I'm coming out with my hands up I have I have no weapons I mean you no harm I'm surrendering to you this morning let's surrender that time spent list to God let's surrender that priority list to God and ask him to take it all and to make new in your life what he wants to be there Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and just ask that you make clear the path and the purpose that you have for our lives. We ask that you give us clear eyes, God. Clear eyes and good judgment to restructure the priorities in our lives. to make sure that our priority list matches the purpose and the plan that you have for our life. We pray this morning, God, that we leave transformed. That we leave with a fire burning to serve you. We leave with a heart for others. We leave with a plan and a purpose that's clear for us. We worship you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.